Mission Log Supplemental, Number 33. The one where women at warp, and Priority One, and John and Ken, go to the disco. Welcome to a supplemental edition of Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. I'm John Champion. And I'm Ken Ray. You know, we have a podcast. Stop. Stop right there. I know. Hang on. I know. Yeah, I know you think we were just talking about doing a podcast, but we actually have been doing one for a while. And normally uh, on this podcast, uh, we do a podcast. But this week, we've actually invited a couple of other podcasts to join us as well. It's pretty exciting, actually, that uh, this is something that we've been kicking around for a while. We wanted to to grow the podcast family at Roddenberry. And, and one of the best ways to do that was to invite people whose work we already respect and admire. Yes. So we did. We uh, we started talking. My goodness, it's been almost a year that we started the original conversations, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nine months. Yeah. Time enough for a baby. So, <laughs> the good people at Priority One have decided that they would like to throw in their lot with us. So we're going to be talking to a couple of people from Priority One a bit later. And I know you're thinking, a couple of people, well, how many are they? (laughs) All of them. Stick around and find out. Before we talk to the people at Priority One, though, who we are happy to have join us, we are going to talk to one of the people from Women at Warp. Please say hello to Sue Kissenweather. So obviously the mission of a Star Trek podcast is to talk about Star Trek, but then some of those Star Trek podcasts have other missions. For example, we're going through and watching every episode and talking about it in order. You guys, on the other hand, have a very different mission. I mean, obviously, still talking about Star Trek, but what would you say the mission of Women at Warp is? Well, in the shortest possible description, we are a feminist Star Trek podcast. So we are looking at the contributions of women on screen and behind the scenes. We're looking at feminist issues. We are looking at episodes and analyzing them with a feminist lens. And Really, you know, trying to get as many voices in the conversation as possible, because there are a lot of Star Trek podcasts out there, and they are mostly hosted by men. So we wanted to change that up a little bit. As Ken said, you know, we we have this mission that sort of locks us into, oh, you know, give or take about 14 years worth of content. (laughs) And um, but you guys go topically. You know, you're, you're not going from episode to episode necessarily. You will find themes. You will focus on characters. Um, you, you think that this is a, a pretty indefinite uh, angle that you've got? Oh, for sure. Uh, we, <laughs> we get email all the time with new topic suggestions, and our our list is several pages long. Good. Good. <laughs> yeah. So then how do you go about choosing? I mean, is it just something that's interesting to you at a particular time? Is it, I mean, do you go like news of the day kinds of things? Because, I mean, it's weird to think we're talking about a franchise that's over 50 years old now, but there's still plenty of news of the day that could certainly tie back in. What is the bar uh, for what you guys will do? Well, we try to mix it up a little bit. So we don't want to put, you know, two episode reviews back to back or two broad topics back-to-back, or two character reviews back-to-back. So we try and do a mix of those types of episodes and a mix of different series focus. So we don't want to do a bunch of, you know, next generation in a row uh, so that we're kind of hitting every aspect of of the franchise. Uh, But 
I'm going to sound like a shill for a second. We do have a Patreon rewards level that lets our patrons uh, choose a topic for us. And those suggestions jump up to the top of the list. So we're actually, uh, currently as we're recording, we're in a, I guess, patch where we're releasing a bunch of those. So I would say the releases in late May through June, maybe even into July, are all uh, patron topics. It wouldn't be much of a show, though, if you didn't say what the Patreon address is. So please feel free to go ahead and do that, too. Well, of course, it's patreon.com slash women at warp. Okay, that makes perfect sense. (laughs) I did have another question that I'm curious about because I've been aware of your show for a while, but I don't know how it began. How did you guys, uh, how how did you all start the show? Well, this might be a little bit of a long answer, but... um, I was podcasting on a podcast called The Anomaly Podcast. They're still up and running, but my section of the show uh, ended a few months ago. So we went, you know, for the same time at a while. And I was blogging on Anomaly as well. And I was doing a rewatch and sometimes live blog of the original series. At the same time, I didn't even know it, but Andy was tweeting her first time through Star Trek at First Time Trek. And Grace was one of the co-hosts of All Things Track, which is also now um, no longer producing podcasts. But at different times, Grace and her co-hosts had invited both myself and Andy on the show to talk about different things. And then one of their last episodes, they had us on together. And I think Andy and Jara did a show together. (laughs) So we really all came together through All Things Track, And it was Andy's idea after that ended um, that this was, you know, an open space that nobody was filling and we should get together and do something. So it came out of guesting on each other's shows and talking about Star Trek. Can I ask, you know, what was the initial reaction like? You know, when when you guys started this, what did you expect the, the reaction from an audience who had not been exposed to this as a podcast before. Like I said, there's been a lot of Star Trek podcasts, but not anything with this specific angle. So um, what was that like when you got it out there? And then kind of the follow-up to that, what is it like now? What, What do you hear from people? I think that a lot of, like, diehard Trekkies know, but not many, you know, casual fans know, that the history of women in fandom in Star Trek is huge. You know, Star Trek would not have lasted past two years without women. And that is a fact. Go look it up. We wouldn't have conventions. We wouldn't have fan fiction. We wouldn't have had the Save Star Trek campaign. You, it, Star Trek wouldn't have even been greenlit without Lucille Ball. Right? So <laughs> there is a really strong community of women that are Star Trek fans. And we knew they were out there. Because, I mean, we just stumbled across each other. But... Just like any time that women have opinions on the internet, we were expecting certainly some backlash. And amazingly, we haven't really gotten a whole lot of it. We've gotten a couple of trolls, but we haven't really had issues. Like you you hear stories about, like people write think pieces about. But what was really amazing, um, when we decided on the name of the show, we went and grabbed the Facebook page and the Twitter account to make sure that we had the URL so that we're women at warp everywhere. And we got so much attention on our Facebook page before we'd released an episode that we wound up launching the show early, like two months earlier than we'd planned. 
and we've just gotten a really great response ever since. We've been nominated for the Parsecs every year. I think uh, somebody even wrote a blog post once about nominating us for a Hugo Award. <sighs> nice. So <laughs> we know we got at least one vote in the Hugos last year, but it's been really fantastic. All right. So we've been talking a lot about uh, past Star Trek because that's pretty much what we've had with the exception of the movies for the past 10 years or so. Uh, we do have to ask because a lot of people have been asking us and mostly we've been saying pass. But since we have you here and, and you can say pass if you want to. And I think we're actually going to answer the question for listeners later as well. But um, new discovery trailer. New Discovery trailer came out, and it's actually it's actually got footage. It's not just, you know, sort of like a mock-up, whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to ask you how many times you've watched it. <laughs> I do want to ask, though, or we want to ask, actually, uh, what are your initial thoughts on what you saw? I'm really excited about it. Uh, I will be one of the first to admit that I'm not totally sure about the design of the Klingons yet. <laughs> but if that's what they want to go with, that's what they're going to go with. But I'm I'm super stoked about it. I love that uh, the time of this trailer, like just the, the two minutes of this trailer, almost has more time that passes the Bechdel test than all of an entire season of Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a joke. I think it's season yeah. two has a total of three minutes that passes the Bechdel test. Seriously? Wow. Yes. So, hmm. <laughs> I mean, there's Hoshi and T'Pol and they never really work together. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Man. <laughs> I'm kind of curious. When you and the rest of the women at Warp approach Star Trek, um, and I ask this really because of where Ken and I are with Star Trek right now, we, we have this thing where you've got Star Trek from 50 years ago, born out of a certain culture, and then you've got Star Trek from 30 years ago, 30 up to about 15 years ago or so. And then we all, we all have different hopes and aspirations for Star Trek yet to come. But uh, I'm curious uh, when you guys analyze and discuss sort of the, the feminist issues that are raised by Star Trek, do you, do you kind of look at what was on the air 50 years ago and think, Huh. Well, do they get a pass for certain things because they didn't know better? And then do we look at something from maybe that period, but maybe next gen era or, or you know, DS9 or Voyager era and go, you know what, they really should have known better. I I'm curious how you guys contextualize what it is that you see. So we hear this a lot, uh, as you'd probably mm -hmm. expect, uh, especially when we're dealing with the original series and we get, you know, it was the 60s, give them a break. And no, because it's not currently the 60s. And no one who ever watches this show again will be watching it in the 60s, right? So we can, when, when we, especially when we're analyzing, you know, TOS, even early TNG, we're saying, we, we take a look at what was going on then. And we say, you know, at the time, this was really progressive. Where things stand now, it's really problematic. So we do try and take that into account, but we're certainly... At the end, we're going to be coming at it from today's standards. And there's this thing in, in literary criticism, which can apply to media criticism. I might be going off the deep end here, uh, called hermeneutics. And it is a 
basically what it means is that the meaning of a piece of media is a combination of the author's intent and the reader's or the viewer's takeaway. So both things are equally as important. So we can go and we can look up whatever we can find about what was intended in Wolf in the Fold, but it really doesn't change the fact that Kirk is more concerned with getting Scotty off the hook for these murders than the fact that women on his crew were murdered. Hmm. Yeah. So it, it's still there. You know, we, we, like I said, we try and, and make sure that we're at least acknowledging that they were when, when the writers were trying to do something good. But we definitely always, well, we not always, because we're not looking for places where they fail, but we are not going to ignore them either. Do you actually go back and explain why regularly? Because I, I had a friend that I got in a discussion with about that when we were still doing TOS, I think. He really thought that we were being unfair every time we pointed out blatant sexism in Star Trek. And I said to him, well, the problem is, I mean, there are people watching it for the first time now. Mm-hmm. John and I actually had a woman come up to us at our table one time in Vegas saying that she appreciated our conversation because she felt like she is now able to show this to her, mm-hmm. I think, 11 or 12 year old daughter and have like a discussion about, yeah, this was, I mean, this was then and this is, yes, it was wrong, but there are still like sort of good things that you can pull out. I guess the question I have is, I mean, do you, people get angry at us <laughs> when, when, when they think we don't like Star Trek. They think if we have anything bad at all to say about Star Trek, then we don't love Star Trek the way they love Star Trek. And maybe that's true and that we don't love it blindly. Mm. But I mean, how do you walk that line? Or how do you, how do you let people know? Or do you assume that the people who are tuning in are, are tuned in and not worry about it? One of the best compliments that we get when we, we see, you know, iTunes ratings or whatever is that it's clear that we love Star Trek. So, I mean, that's thankfully that is coming across. We do definitely hear that. Why are you doing this if you hate it so much every now and then? Um, yeah, so every time we do this, we don't go back and go over these issues. I think that most of our audience gets it because they think about these things the same way. But I, I hopefully, by the way we approach it, it comes across. We do have a piece uh, that was published on our blog. It's actually something I wrote when I was with Anomaly that we reposted about this whole hermeneutics thing, where I go into more detail and about why we shouldn't be giving things a pass because of when they were made. Uh, so that's up there if anybody wants to go looking for it. But to your point about the, the woman who came up to you guys in Vegas, we did an entire episode that we called a Star Trek for Girls, where we picked a few episodes for each from, from each series and talked about showing them to young children and especially young girls and the conversations that you can have with your children after you watch them. Do you remember what some of those were? I'm just curious, particularly like TOS and TNG era. I think Rascals was one of the TNG picks. I don't recall offhand because it was a while ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there, it's definitely there. I'm not sure there were many from TOS, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> you sure? All right, so we can't thank you enough for coming on, and we're really proud that Women at Warp is now part of the Roddenberry Podcast Network. And, and if people want to find you and your show directly, where should they go? Well, we are Women at Warp just about everywhere. So womenatwarp.com, on Twitter, at womenatwarp, facebook.com, slash womenatwarp, 
like I mentioned before, patreon.com slash women at warp. Um, and if you're looking for me, I'm on Twitter as Speltor. That's S-P-A-L-T-O-R. All right, so now we're joined by two of the voices that you hear on Priority One Podcast. And I guess, you know, we, we have to start at the beginning. And uh, I'll ask you, what is Priority One about? And, and if you stop at Star Trek, if it's a Star Trek period, then that is not an acceptable answer. Because we, I think we assume that already. So what else is Priority One all about? Well... It's really the Star Trek multiverse. No. <laughs> I hate that word. I absolutely hate it. But no, he's right. Well, he's there, right, technically. Already contention among our guests. <laughs> well, we, it, it became the multiverse in our script, I don't know, months ago. And I, I protested it at the time, but, you know, there, there wasn't really any point. I made an executive decision. Yeah, yeah, he overruled me. <laughs> Well, as long as we're going to use the term, what does the multiverse represent? I mean, are you talking about, because I mean, you guys were born as a Star Trek online podcast. Are you talking about like games Mm -hmm. and film? Are you talking about the different, like the Kelvin timeline versus the original timeline? Is it all of the above? What is, what does the multiverse entail? So, so seven years ago, Priority One, I'm going to start from the very beginning when the sun rose upon Priority One and (laughs) it was, it was seven years ago and it really was strictly focused on Star Trek Online, the massively multiplayer online role-playing game that is currently free to play for everyone. Anybody here can pick it up unless you're on a Mac. <laughs> womp womp. Um, you can, but if you're on console, if you have an Xbox, if you have a PlayStation 4, you can go ahead and download it for free. But um, originally it was started uh, to focus on that game. Um, seven years later, um, we decided that we wanted to cover as much of Star Trek as possible. You know, we still focus a good chunk of the show on Star Trek online, but now we've begun to branch out a little bit for all of Trek. So it could be discovery news. Uh, it could be comic reviews, literary reviews done by Jace, um, licensed products from think geek, but from Jason and cookie, um, Kenna, Tony, Winters and myself will cover, uh, like I mentioned earlier, Discovery News, movie news, show news, um, and of course, Star Trek Online. Pretty much anything that we think is going to be of interest to Star Trek fans. Now, you say that it started as a Star Trek Online game, but how did it actually start? I mean, I've played a couple of video games. I haven't started a podcast as a result. I mean, why did this... Yet. Why did... Well... (laughs) Dude, I play like 10 minutes of video games a month. So really, if I start a video game podcast, it'll just be about how I wish I had more time to play games. Um, how Seriously, though, like, like, okay, so there's this game out there. And what is it that makes who think, you know, we need to talk about this? So the nice thing about a massively multiplayer online game, an MMO for short, is that it is a living creation really it's a living game where some most games actually you know you buy the disc you pop it into your console and that's about it with an mmo though there's ongoing development so star trek online also is seven years old um and in those seven years there's ongoing development whether it's systems minor tweaks complete overhauls expansions and of course things like featured episodes where they will create a story completely immersive story uh much like an episode of 
of Star Trek that you would watch on television um, that you are a part of. That still doesn't tell me, though, why you guys started talking. <laughs> because, all right. So why do why don't, you know, that's a really good question because <laughs> and I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> so start. So Priority One podcast was actually started by two other hosts, Mark and Brandon. Um, and again, the passion was is that as gamers. Here was an ongoing story that we were not seeing on film or television. Right. So I think so. Star Trek Online was seven started seven years ago. Enterprise had ended several years prior to that. Here was an opportunity to to experience a story at firsthand as a captain of a starship. Um, And really in an MMO format, it makes it really easy to give week to week news because the the game developers are constantly developing for the game. Um, So the passion comes from being gamers. It comes from being fans of Star Trek. Um, It comes from a little bit of of, uh, desire to be theatrical, (laughs) is how I'll phrase that. Yeah. Well, and I'll just jump in here and say that, you know, I've I actually joined the podcast relatively late in the game. And when I joined, I'd already started sort of making my own YouTube videos for Star Trek Online. Uh, It's part of this whole uh, culture of like a Let's Play video and that sort of thing, wanting to take something that can be quite um, personal and insular, like gaming, and actually sharing it with a with other people. So it's you're getting together with your friends and you're talking about the game. You're sharing strategies and all those sorts of things. Why not make it into a podcast? Why not make it into a video series or something like that? And that's one of the things that we really enjoyed talking about was digesting those featured episodes, talking about the new uh, fleet holding that came out and 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 sharing all that information. And we do it in public, you know. It's funny because in episode 318, uh, this last episode uh, that we released on Monday, Kenna was bashing post-show talks like, you know, Talking Dead and, and the upcoming Talking Track <laughs> series for Discovery. I was a bit. And yet here we are a weekly, uh, here we are a weekly podcast and we do just that whenever Star Trek Online releases something. Um, it's totally different. <laughs> it's different because we do it. Yeah, yeah. In fairness, though, it actually is kind of a little bit different because the kind of things you're talking about are things that you can actually play through yourselves. It's not like you're sitting around watching TV and then talking about TV. That's actually what we do on Mission Log. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, except we're like, you know, 30, <laughs> 40 years later, sometimes 50. Heck, why not? Right. Um, I'm curious. There's something that I've heard you say, Kenna, and I'm wondering if you could tell me a tiny bit more about it. You have said in the past that you mm. have thought of Star Trek Online and again, we're, we're talking a lot about Star Trek Online. That's not all your show is. We'll get back to other stuff in a moment. But you've said before that you think of Star Trek Online as the next great Star Trek series. Now, that was before anybody had heard anything about Discovery, which we'll also get to in a moment. Mm-hmm. But talk to me about the themes. Talk to me about the writing. Talk to me about the kinds of stories that you're going through. I mean, are they Star Trek because you get to wear the uniform, you get to fly the ship, you get to be in that universe? Or are they Star Trek because they're tackling some of the same sort of ideas and themes that Star Trek tackles as well? Yes. <laughs> How perfect. How perfect. Um, no, <laughs> no but seriously. So I, I joined the game um, a few years back, and it was at a really great time because they were really starting to, I don't know, experiment with storytelling in 
in Star Trek Online. I mean, they've always been very good at. I mean, all the, even the oldest episodes still have a really good story going on to them. And it's been in the last couple of years that they've like completely upped their game. And the Iconian War story arc, which you guys don't know what that is, but the, the Iconian War story arc for me was just completely blew my mind. Now, the episodes that come out, they, they started releasing them in sort of a, an episodic content once every um, month or two. And so you had that anticipation of waiting for the next installment. And, you know, for an MMO game, they're restricted on what kinds of stories they can tell. But you get to be in it and you get to live through it. And in a way, you get to affect uh, the the story that happens. But you're seeing it play out on the screen, both in your action and then in a cutscene. And, you know, at the time when I started really getting into Star Trek Online, there was no... There was no Star Trek on television, except, you know, the old episodes in syndication. There was no talk. I mean, uh, there, it was, it was, there was nothing on the horizon. Um, and I started, I started really believing that this was, this was a good Star Trek series. You got to experience it. It was immersive. Um, there were some things that you have to do to make it fit into a game. But in terms of the ongoing story and the prime timeline, it, Star Trek Online is where it's at. It's currently the only thing that tells the story after the end of... What's the latest one in the series? Of Voyager. Nemesis. Oh, after Nemesis. Exactly. So it, it's, the, it's the ongoing story of Star Trek. It's, it's, a, it's a time period that we haven't touched before. Um, there's uh, new races, there's some old races, new planets, new parts of the galaxy. It's, you know, it's, it's as if Star Trek were continuing on. Um, and it's officially licensed, and they get these uh, the beautiful artwork, and uh, it's totally immersive experience. That, for me, is why, I, when I still say it today, it's the next great Star Trek series. We'll see when Discovery comes out, right? <laughs> okay, well, there, there's the perfect segue then. <laughs> Discovery is on its way, and mm -hmm. we have just seen a trailer for mm -hmm. Discovery. And it, it seems that a lot of people online are discussing this trailer. Yep. Varying opinions. What do you guys think? I'm really excited. And actually, do you know, since we recorded episode 318, I've actually been I've been watching it again and I've been actually reading some other things online and I'm actually even more excited than I was and now I can nitpick there's like an audio thing at the beginning where they splice together some lines of dialogue that really just grates on me but you know that's nitpicking um, on the whole it got me really excited first of all um, uh, women of color like right front and center, that to me is like a huge deal. That's fantastic. And somebody pointed out um, in an article that I read over the weekend that um, it's significant that Michelle Yeoh's character speaks with an accent. That that that's not something that you generally get on on any kind of major television so, show. And it's and it's brilliant. Um, the graphics, the implied storytelling. It's it looks like there's a lot of potential there. I am feeling Trek with it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a trailer. It's supposed to be a teaser trailer. We get quite a bit for it being a teaser trailer, though. Um, you know, when I watched it, I, I, let me start off by saying this. I don't hate it, right? Um, if I wanted to go ahead and start nitpicking, you know, 
I look at Sonequa Martin-Green's character, and just in, from what I'm seeing in the trailer, it does feel a lot like Sasha from The Walking Dead. Um, it, you know, it's that, it's that, as she says in the trailer, no, cut off the head. Like, we need to fire first. That was, that was Sasha in The Walking Dead. Um, you know, she was the, we have to, you know, spoiler alert, we have to go after Negan. We need to do this. We need to fire first. Let's get it done. Um, so it, it so far it doesn't seem like a far departure from her character in in The Walking Dead. I can see if that's the character choice that they're going with, then she's an excellent actress for that. She played strength very very well. I, I didn't see a sense of space opera ness yet. You know, like something grand. Not yet, but I, again, I'm I'm, think, I'm thinking that they're not going to show that, of course, because it's a teaser. They're not going to you know put all their eggs in that one basket. Um, I think my biggest gripe with all of this, um, with the teaser was the Klingons. <laughs> I was gonna, see, this is interesting because you weren't here when we recorded episode no, 318. So you missed out on this whole discussion. And that was one yeah. of the things that did come up. Do, do we need, do we need a fourth Klingon? type of Klingon. Right. Do you need do you need a fourth type of Klingon? Or yet then again, it they they've they're very similar to the JJ Klingon. Yeah, they are. However, mm-hmm. what I did like about it from that again the teaser was there seems to be deeper culture than what we've seen before, right? It almost looked like a burial ceremony of what they were doing. So if we can get into deeper Klingon culture, that's great. You know, I, that's that's fantastic, right? Uh and great artistic interpretation of that um so i'll go back to how i opened this which is i didn't hate it which not, not being funny that's kind of significant because <laughs> we all the stuff that's been coming out and all the behind the scenes drama um has it, been a bit scary for fans of star trek um i think the the trailer came out and made a very very good impression which gives me hope can i go into that for a second <laughs> just I go, go for it for a second because i'm watching <laughs> I just finished reading American Gods, and now I'm watching American Gods. Um, and I have to say, Brian Fuller is doing a—I mean, Brian Fuller and the team of writers are doing a really good job honoring the source material. They are taking liberties, of course. It's television; it's a television adaptation. They have to change things, but golly, does it does it really? stay true to the essence of the book. And so I, I'm like, man, I wish Brian would have stayed for discovery. Cause he was a star Trek nerd on top of that. You know, like what, what will we miss with not having Brian Fuller there? It's kind of what I've been feeling now as I finished American gods and I'm watching it now on stars. Yeah. Well, you know what the ghost of Tony would say, right? It's fine. You got Nicholas Meyer. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. Actually, the living Tony would say that now they think about it, too. The the living actual, yes. (laughs) There's one other thing we should tell people about your show, getting back to to that before we say so long. Um, And and John said at the beginning, we're talking to two of the voices from uh, Priority One. You heard... Elijah actually mentioned, golly, like four or five other voices. You guys have, I mean, you guys, I mean, not just because of the game. I mean, you guys have a fleet. I mean, you've seriously, you've got more people. Because I remember asking one of you back the last time I saw you in Vegas, so which one of you edits? And then, you know, there was like a laugh because I don't think anybody there at the time was actually one of the editors. You guys have teams of people who help edit. You guys, I mean, you've got, you've got this 
we talk about podcasting as a community where John and I sit here and talk and then people respond to us. You guys have a whole community putting out your show. Yeah, we have a fantastic team of people. Um, there have been people that have been around since practically the beginning. Um, and then there are new people that come on and help us out. I mean, we've got people who help us with audio editing. We've got people who help us with um, uh, social media. So Jake helps us with social media. We've got uh, Brandon, and I'm going to leave somebody out. I know uh, Steve helps us with editing. Uh, Winters, of course, who appears on the show. He's our audio editor. He's our uh What's his actual title? Audio edit, audio engineer. Audio audio engineer, lead head honcho guy with the with the audio tools. Um, and then of course Tony hosts with us. Uh, Jake again hosts, and then we've got Cookie, who used to be a full time host, and now she uh, does some of the product reviews. We've got Jace, who comes in on occasion to do literary reviews. Um, Henry, our artist and um, web designer, he just redesigned the website. Um, that's Henry Pomper. Yep, and Dr. Hurt, who comes on from time to time to do uh, a little bit of science talk from the Astrometrics Lab. Um, I'm certain I've left somebody out, but, you know, it's it, we are what we are because of all of these people donating their time and coming in and really using their expertise to help us out. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a huge, awesome community, and we love it. I've said before that the sun doesn't set on priority one. <laughs> um, and it's, it's pretty true, actually. Mm. You know, um, before Winters took control over the audio team, um, took command of, the, of that fleet, um, our audio engineer was in Australia, you know. Um, and we're not even including the priority one fleet yeah. from the Star Trek Online MMO, which is a, def- a global fleet. Um, you know, and we're miss you know we're missing out on people who are behind the scenes. Elliot Tan, for instance, who uh, I've been working on Priority One since the beginning. I'm about to I'm about to go into my sixth year working on Priority One this this coming summer. Um, and it, so it's you know not to be funny, but it's been a long road. You know, and we have you know you want to be- sing. I do. I kind of want to <laughs> sing a little bit, but I won't. I won't. I won't. Um, He's holding it in. <laughs> But but the, you know this journey has been because of that podcast community. These these people who have a passion for Star Trek, a passion for Star Trek Online, and share in our enthusiasm. You know, um, and we're so very grateful. We're so very grateful for the volunteers who are still with us now. Uh, those who have since left and retired, um, and of course our patrons, right? You know that's that's another big thanks and a big applause to them because they are not only do they invite us into their lives every week, but on top of that, they contribute financially to help keep the lights on. And your Patreon address: Patreon dot com. Actually, Kenna, you do this one because you. <laughs> it's p a t r e o n dot com forward slash priority one. <laughs> And where else might people find you? They want to listen to the show. They want to interact with you guys. What's the address? That is PriorityOnePodcast.com. You can find us on iTunes by searching for Priority One Podcast or Star Trek Podcast. Honestly, if you do a search for Priority One Podcast on any of the major podcasting apps, you will find us there. Cool, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, glad to have you as part of the Broadberry Podcast Network. Thank you for having us. Yes. Again, you know, I, I don't think we've had a chance to chat with you again, you know, like this. Uh, and I want to thank you and, and the Roddenberry Entertainment team and, and, and Rod himself for... I'm sorry, who? <laughs> Did I say something wrong? We don't talk about Rod on this show. 
Oh, I'm sorry. You don't talk about Rod on the show. I'm sorry. Some guy. Yeah, yeah. But uh, thank you so very much. It's it's uh, it's a real pleasure to be with such amazing, creative people. Uh, not just you guys here at Mission Log, but also Women at Warp. So thank you so much for the opportunity. Right, so Ken, somewhere in those interviews, mm-hmm. there was, oh, what was it? it? It was something about a new, oh, it was like, it was like Star Trek's not over. The Orville. It, it's the Orville. <laughs> right. That is a rad trailer. That looks like so much fun. Yeah. So yeah. in 2032, when we start reviewing the Orville, uh, we'll have to get Scott McFarlane on and um, Seth Seth McFarlane Seth I don't know who Scott McFarlane is we can get him if you want to but I went to school with him oh, he, did he was you? great <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah well then yes for God's sake let's have him on so yeah so the Discovery I think is actually Star Trek Discovery I think is what you're talking about which we're apparently supposed to call what DSC DSC but it'll always be disco to me yeah <laughs> yeah I've I've heard that it'll always be disco to me too Ken so all right we got the the teaser trailer back around Comic Con time 2016 and um, fandom everywhere lost its collective something or another um, talking about the oh I don't know the design of the ship and how many polygons made it up. And um, and that was all we saw for a long time. And then kind of out of nowhere, CBS gives us uh, an honest to God trailer. And there are there are characters, there are humans in it and there are aliens in it. And there's a discovery ship that looks a little better rendered than the discovery that we saw several months ago. Yeah. And now the collective fandom is losing it all again online. And I would say that probably the number one question that you and I have gotten, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter or via email, have you seen the trailer? Are you going to talk about the trailer? Uh, Yes. And sure. Right now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Briefly. I mean, there's not really enough there to do a a show about it. And the thing is, I think we heard um, Kenna and mostly Kenna. I think Elijah did a little bit as well. I mean, you can nitpick. You can go crazy over it. But we've seen we've really honestly seen nothing. I mean, we've seen a few characters and that's about all we know. We know they're going to be Klingons and we've seen a few other characters. Um, the things that uh, were mentioned are things to like, I personally think. I mean, you've got a strong female lead, and you've got a strong um, female who is second in command. Now, the female who's second in command, it looks like, is actually going to be the center of the show. But mm-hmm. you've got a female captain and a female second in command. In fact, when I was going back and watching the trailer, and don't misunderstand me, i got no problem with this. There's like one straight-up white guy in that trailer. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you've mm-hmm. got an alien, you've got uh, the Vulcan who is, you know, played by a white guy. But I mean, he's he's, you know, he's he's a Vulcan. You've got yeah. uh, the guy in the mask. I don't know what he is. You've got the um, uh, he's, he's the, Doug uh, Jones. That, that's what he is. It is much less. It is much less white male centric than anything we've seen before. Now, mm-hmm. that could just be for the trailer. I doubt it, <laughs> but mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, th- but those are like the only things we really know. They've gone and messed up the Klingons again. And yeah, I'll go ahead and say that because I can't even see if there's a face there. And I don't understand. It's like the Klingons look mostly human in TOS. The Klingons look very Klingon from uh, the motion picture on. And they even did a whole retcon thing to explain why the Klingons look different. Right. And the thing is, retconning is so you can fix a problem from before. Yeah. 
And now they've made this problem two other times. They made it in the JJ verse, <laughs> and now they're making it in Discovery. So, I mean, Klingons are just like if somebody shows up on screen and you don't recognize them, and somebody is talking about Klingons, probably that's the thing on screen you don't recognize anymore. And 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 I don't I don't know. I don't think I'm going to care mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> after we first see them on screen. Um, if anything's bothering me about the trailer, that's what's bothering me sure. about the trailer. The Klingons kind of, it kind of annoys me that we have to relearn what they are every time. Sure. Unless there's going to be some story about why they look so different here versus what John Calicos would look like versus what Michael Dorn would look like. And, uh, and Christopher Lloyd really right. is who I should mention there. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it comes down to the same thing, and it's all about context. And, and I have this feeling that um, if you go way back in the development of Discovery and think about it, it, Discovery has been developed long before you or I or anybody in the general Star Trek fandom public knew that there is a show called Discovery even coming from CBS at any point. You know, mm-hmm. you, you don't just one day say like, hey, we're working on a show. No, you've already got <laughs> producers and writers. You've already got them in place. You've already been working out the details. Although, in fairness, it has felt a few times during this production as if they did say, hey, we're going to do a show. Yeah, right, right. And then uh, maybe, maybe you'll see it. Uh, maybe you won't. Yeah, yeah, it'll be out in six weeks. Did I say six weeks? I meant six months. I meant sometime next year. Hey, whatever, though. It's Star Trek. So right, sit tight. But but I'm going to assume that the the things that we saw in the trailer, so you get a little glimpse of a Klingon here, you get a glimpse of another alien, you get a, a glimpse of a ship, that um, clearly we're just given images to kind of chew on and argue about, that mm-hmm. there is actually an in-universe contextual reason for these things to exist the way they do in this show. Now, I'm not going to get hung up on style. I'll tell you one thing that I love about this trailer is that it looks incredibly cinematic. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard thing to pull off on TV anyway. You know, it, it the, the images are rich and lush and there's a lot of detail there. It's just hard to do that on a TV budget. But this looks like a film. You know, it, it's really impressive. But then you start to pick apart the details. And yeah, the Klingons look different than what we have seen before. But I'm okay with that because I assume at some point there will be some explanation or at least a a hint of a reason as to why these look different than the ones that we saw in another place and another place. There could just be Klingons all over the Star Trek universe that we don't know about yet. And we're going to explore some of that in Discovery. Um, that's that's really mm-hmm. interesting. You have more faith in that than I do. My feeling was that they gave somebody a brand new set of markers and a brand new pad and said, draw what you want to draw. Draw me a Klingon. And what they went with was what they ended up with. So you're thinking there's going to be some continuity as to we go from this to John Colicos to... Christopher Lloyd. Well, here's the thing. I, I don't think it necessarily be spelled out like that. I don't think they're going to hold our hands and, and draw a line between those Klingons. But I, I think there's some truth to what you're saying, saying, like, we're going to wipe the slate clean. What do you want this show to look like? Go. All right. But once you've done that, and then once you also recognize that there is a history of Star Trek there, you, you kind of say, OK, well, this is an interesting design. Can we justify this? Can we justify why we want to go with this? as opposed to something else. And that goes for everything there. It goes for the bridge and for the uniforms and for why these characters might act the way they act, as opposed to what we learned about that period of Star Trek history from watching the original series. So, again, it all comes down to story and character and context. I'm not going to get hung up on design details. 
I'll say that, you know, out of context, I like what I see because what I see is big and bold and cinematic. And that's cool to me. Now, there is one question, and my friend James Kerwin brought this up. James, how you doing? Um, he pointed out that in the Kelvin timeline, before Nero shows up, so it's really prime timeline, but just right before Nero shows up, everybody on the Kelvin is wearing the uh, Starfleet logo that is, in fact, the Enterprise badge logo from mm -hmm. TOS. And as we know from TOS, uh, every ship had a different logo on their uniforms. So on the Enterprise, it was the Delta with the star in the middle. But you look at the Constellation, you look at another ship, and it's all different stuff. In Discovery, they all have what we know as the Star Trek Delta, which was the Enterprise uh, uh, Delta from the original series. Well, wait, are they wearing that? Because I haven't actually paused it. Are they wearing that? Or do they have that sort of like cut into like one third, two thirds? Yeah, you have that little cut in it. Well, that's, that's different enough then. Okay. I mean, that really right. is different enough to do it. Because yeah. seriously, I, I know some people who are like, who are so angry that they're not sure they're going to watch the series because of the Delta. Oh, my. <laughs> which, wow. Yeah, I know. In which case, I, I really think maybe you should, maybe Star Wars is more your bag. Maybe. I mean, if that's if, that, if that's what's going to like stop you from, from embracing Star Trek. Understand, by the way, the only reason I even begin to care about the Klingons is because people kept asking us what we thought. Sure. I mean, honestly, I'll, I'll go back to how I started this part of uh, our discussion. We have no idea what we're going to see. I mean, they've given us little bits to chew on, as you say, mm -hmm. um, but I don't. We don't even have anything like a story. I mean, we know that her captain is apparently going to suggest that she actually move to command herself. Mm -hmm. So. Maybe we have even that much of a story, but we don't know if that that could come in episode 15. Who knows? That that could be the very end of season one. And then, you know, season two is uh, the Shaniqua Martin Green uh, person taking over uh, her own ship or taking over the Discovery or whatever. We just I mean, we, we have so little to go on at this point, but it's you know, it's it's really exciting that it's coming. And um We'll just keep white-knuckling it until it comes out, same as we have been for the past, oh, gosh, what is it, two and a half, three years now since they started talking about Discovery? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I will say this about the design of Discovery itself. That's another polarizing piece of design work. I really like the idea that they were inspired by the Andy Probert artwork. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Ralph McQuarrie artwork uh, that was, you know, pre-motion picture. So, yeah, he had designed that. And then, you know, that all got scrapped because we didn't get Planet of the Titans. We didn't get the God thing. Um, but there was something about that design that is sort of living on through this. Now, that design, technically, if, if it's, uh, you know, Ralph McQuarrie and it's post-TOS and leading into what would be the next career, phase two, or the next movies for that original series cast, that ship exists after what we know as TOS's NCC-1701, and now we have that design existing 10 years before. So there's another interesting thing to me, that it's a very different-looking design, a different-looking bridge, and I sort of put it together in my head. I'm going, oh, okay, well, is this a um, an experimental ship? Is it something that was designed with maybe some alien technology? We know nothing about it. We only know that it looks different. But I'm sure there's a story there. 
And I'm sure that we will not be left in the dark about what that story is. See, the interesting thing to me is the more fleshed out version of that that we got in the trailer. It actually looks a bit mm-hmm. more like the NX ships now. It, mm-hmm. it reminded me. Yeah. It reminded me a bit more of the Franklin uh, than. Mm-hmm. Well, it reminded me of the Franklin, or it reminded me of um, yes, the Enterprise, the NX zero one, mm-hmm. um, which which that to me felt like a better bridge in a way. Uh, between, yeah. I mean, you've got the same problem, though. Honestly, you've got the same problem with they've got more money now. They've got, you know, better tools now. Like, why is all of the technology in The Phantom Menace so much better than the technology in A New Hope, right? Right. Why right. is all of the technology in Discovery, which is 10 years before TOS, better than all of the stuff in TOS? Well, because even though it's supposed to be 10 years before, it is, in fact, 51, 52 years later. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, right. we can just, we can do more now, please. Like Gene Roddenberry wouldn't have done all of that if those tools had been in his, uh, I'm sorry, if those markers had been in his, you know, 10. If he had had that pad to play on, I feel certain that we would see just a, you know, as whiz bang a show then as we're seeing now. Because, I mean, go back for 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 the time, TOS was pretty whiz bang. It's just, we get a lot more of that now. I can make better effects in my phone than they were able to make for TV at the time. And then we got a lot more whiz-bang when Gene Roddenberry was given a budget for a motion picture. That movie did not look like the original series. It was not paced like the original series. And you can love it or you can hate it, but they they broke their own rules. They bent their own rules and gave us a, a new kind of design palette for that world. So, I, yeah, I, I'm not going to get hung up on design. It's a purely subjective thing. All I really care about is will they create great stories with compelling characters? And, and at the end of the day, will it feel like Star Trek? Star Trek's a very big tent, and it contains a lot of ideas. So that's what I'm anxious to see. So for the people who asked if we were going to talk about Discovery there, that's like 13 minutes on two and a half minutes of footage. <laughs> Done. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and we'll be happy to talk about it again. Um, well, we're talking about talking about it when it's actually on, but we'll have to talk more about that later. In the meantime, uh, we do want to remind everybody about the, the new shows joining the Roddenberry uh, Podcast Network, uh, Women at Warp. Find them at womenatwarp.com. And thank you very much to Sue Kissenweather for joining us. And, of course, Priority One. Thanks to Elijah and Kenna for joining us. Uh, you can find them online, PriorityOnePodcast.com. Of course, both of those shows are available on iTunes. And uh, by the time you hear this, there should actually be links to them from Roddenberry.com as well. So all kinds of places to find them. And we do encourage you, too, because we're just as pleased as we can be uh, to have them be part of our family. Hi, guys. You're Justin in San Diego. And I'm listening to your episode about the chase and... While John was trying to make a callback to the episode about the preservers, what I really caught on was I thought that these were directly the people that Kirk and Spock met in Return to Tomorrow when with uh, Sargon and the brains and the vessels that transferred into their bodies. They specifically talked, called them my children and said that they had seeded the life uh, throughout the galaxy in their image. So... Anyways, just another episode of the original series that came to mind that I thought this was almost a direct callback to because really the seeding of the life to the universe seemed to be almost directly lifted from Returns Tomorrow. Love the pod. Have a great day.
Greetings, Mission Log. This is John Arminio. Uh, I waste time on social media under the pseudonym Quasar Snipper sometimes. I have a comment about Face of the Enemy. Um, I think it's just a fascinating idea to have an empath going undercover as a spy. And I think with uh, Troy's character uh, and Marina Sertris's, uh fantastic performance, um, kind of going in and out of her Romulan guys, it'd be really fascinating to see uh, this kind of set up again. Maybe we can have a whole series of comic books or uh, spy novels with Troy using her empathic abilities to do work for Starfleet. Uh, you know, playing mind games, get into subterfuge, maybe using a phaser or two to get rid of those Cardassians or Romulan enemies, establishing peace in the galaxy. It'd be great. Anybody want a reboot? No. <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate your podcast every episode, and uh, I can't wait for the next one. Hi, Dan and Ken. Uh, this is Dan uh, from Michigan. I love this podcast. You guys are doing a fantastic job. Uh, I just watched Tapestry. This one has to be by far one of my uh, among my all-time favorites, and I had to call in and at least leave a quick message to this point because every time I think whether I regret something that has happened, I pretty quickly realized mostly thanks to this episode um, that all the mistakes uh, have gotten me to where I am. And I'm, I, I cannot be anything but grateful for everything that I do have. And um, it's, if I'm going to take anything away from this, it would be as I told my nine year old daughter, you can't change the past, but today you can be better than you were yesterday. So anyway, that's what I wanted to leave with you guys. Uh, keep doing a fantastic job. Um, love this podcast and uh, look forward to the next episode. Mission Log is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. You can find out more at Roddenberry.com. To support Mission Log directly, you can go to Patreon.com slash Mission Log. We have some very cool premiums for our members there. For more exciting Star Trek podcasts, you can check out Trek FM. That's Trek.FM. And for the latest in Star Trek news and discussion, be sure to visit TrekMovie.com. Trek Movie.com.